Hey, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland on today's episode. We are back to talk about the 2020 NFL Draft, where everything happened exactly as we predicted it. It's episode 66 of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers right here on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland from my south side of state. My name is Mike Fleischman. I am here in quarantine with my lovely wife and joining me from the north side, it's Matt Mellumsetter. Hey, Matt. Matt's good to talk to you. Good to, good to see you again, Mike. How are you doing? I'm well. I, I'm Well, I'm as well as can be yeah. expected in, in situations like this in that if this were just a normal day when we were all allowed to do normal things, I would say not well at all, sir. <laughs> but as situation permitting, we're uh, we're good enough here, going out very infrequently. Uh, like you were saying, it it felt good to just get a little bit of football talk in and and go back to normal, if only for a weekend. The draft started on Friday and went through it, but you know it was that's the been the lone breakup in in what's been a pretty monotonous month yeah it it felt uh it felt almost like sports were here again uh for just a few hours on friday night it felt like it set back in on saturday that uh you know perhaps sports were not all that uh all that back um but you know for a little bit on friday perhaps aided by uh, a little bit of alcohol it felt like sports were uh back to normal yeah, I was doing exactly the Friday thing that I'd be doing if the draft were happening like normal, which is getting drunk, cooking food, and occasionally looking down at the phone going, huh? Oh, they took that guy. Yeah. Oh. And I do that with that, that huh, that projects a sort of familiarity with the draft. But this is always the part of the year where I, I talk about and learn as much about college football as I'm going to for the entire year. Yep. And every so year it's been about- time for and every year about this time, I think, oh, maybe it'll be good to get into college football next year. And then it just kind of fades away. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it it goes right back into the ether as I realize that Saturdays is a major work day for me. I don't I don't get to get into my sweatpants and sit down and watch college football. I get to watch these guys when they become pros on Sunday. Uh, yeah, we all every podcast in the world is is checking in on how everyone's doing. So, hey, everyone out there, I hope you're well. Uh, Matt, I hope you are well. We we seem to be on the on the right wavelength here. So yeah. I want to get this, this draft talk started here. I want to go back to our last episode where we just sort of, like every other prognosticator, we just figured that the Packers were looking for three specific needs from the draft, especially from the higher-up picks, which were wide receiver, linebacker, and also offensive line, particularly in in the tackle area. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen. Nope, not even a, a little bit. I mean, we got some we got some offensive line late in the sixth round, uh, but basically nothing we expected happened. The Packers first off, and this is this is what everyone is talking about, and I think it, I I think it's overshadowed what I I think are some of the more positive points on this draft, some of the things that I really like, but in the first round, shocked everyone by trading up with Miami. They gave their fourth round pick to Miami along with their pick number 30 in the first round for the 26th pick in the first round. That came in, you figure the Packers were reaching for somebody that they really wanted. Turns out that that somebody is quarterback Jordan Love out of Utah State. And with that, the Packers became the biggest story of the first round of the draft. Yeah, immediately uh, the biggest talking point of the draft. Uh, up until this point, the draft seemed to have gone pretty uh, on script, at least. You know, there wasn't any super big swings. There wasn't any uh, massive jumps out of expectation. You know, it, it, it felt like it was kind of going according to plan. 
on script when the Packers trade up I'm immediately like okay they're trading up to get Patrick Queen they're trading up to get Denzel Mims they're trading up for something here uh they they take Jordan Love uh, yeah so, so you can your your language and reaction to this has been uh, has been one of shock I I just I also just want to go back and and highlight a a text conversation that we were having earlier in the week yeah. where we were both having an incredible laugh over the idea that the Chicago Bears were going to cock up their first round draft yep. by <laughs> trading up into the first round, giving away something they desperately needed in order to take another quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> shout, shout out to the Bears and shout out to us yeah. for laughing about that because the universe showed us exactly what can happen. When your team falls in love with a quarterback, yeah, uh, Jordan Love, a three-year starter at Utah State. Yep, a six-four, two hundred and twenty-five-pound player. The comparisons that scouts want to make, if they're being incredibly optimistic, is Patrick Mahomes. But I, I tell you, I look at his at his game in Utah State. And he's a big guy who rolls out a little bit and throws the ball. My immediate comparison with him might be Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's as big of a double threat as Deshaun Watson. Um, once he leaves the the pocket, gets out wide. I don't think he's scrambling for yards like Deshaun Watson was. I think he has a little bit of, of scoot. He he can he can pick up a first round here and there. I mean, w- watching Jordan Love, it reminded me a lot of Mahomes, but also a lot of kind of prime Aaron Rodgers, 2010 through 2013, 2014, where he's getting out. He's not looking to scramble. He's getting out, looking to make a play and then throwing off no platform at all, all arm 40 yards downfield on a point. I re- yeah, the, the, uh, the Colin Kaepernick comparisons have also yes. been made. Although I think from what I see of Jordan Love, Colin Kaepernick was never that accurate. He was as bold of a thrower, had the arm strength to flow to, to throw with his legs out in some strange positions. But Jordan Love, with that little flick of the wrist, can put the ball in some spots. Yeah, he really can. And, you know, a lot of the feedback immediately following this pick was that, you know, Jordan Love will be throwing into bigger windows in the pros than he was in college. He didn't really have much at Utah State. He had kind of a down year in 2019 uh, where they had replaced nine starters. They had nine new starters on offense. The only guy who stayed was an offensive tackle and got a whole coaching staff replaced. And there was a lot of turnover that 2019 season really drove down his his draft stock he was kind of looked at as a maybe a fringe top 10 somebody who might scoot into that top five number one overall pick with a good season after 2018 where he threw 38 two touchdowns seven rushing touchdowns and only six interceptions I really like Jordan Love as a player I I I understand the idea with this pick and I think that there's a way to rationalize this and justify it you know, it, it, if they didn't have anybody else on their board that they thought was a first round talent, go out and get Jordan Love. Totally. Um, but the rest of the draft uh, is what I think drives home the idea that I don't love the Jordan Love pick. We'll get we'll get to that a little bit more. I I am not opposed to this pick because I I look at Jordan Love as a player and and. You see what he's capable of doing. You see what the Packers have right now, which is they've got Aaron Rodgers, who is very good, but also aging and an injury liability in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. in that he's had a a collection of injuries, and there's questions about how long he's going to be able to go. And most people, if they're being realistic, seem to think that his window is another two seasons of, of being a real effective player who can do what the Packers need him to do. And if you look at Jordan Love and what they want from him, there's never been a better time or organization for a guy like Love to come into right now. I don't believe any of the tabloid stuff about like Aaron Rodgers is going to hate this and going to try and ruin Jordan Love. No way. Like we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not seriously engaging with that kind of thinking. So for, for Jordan Love, it gives him, two seasons where I have to assume that he's not game day active 
unless Aaron Rodgers were to go down for the season. I think this is a, most likely still a Rodgers and Tim Boyle one-two quarterback team this year, or maybe if not Boyle, someone else. Jordan Love has nothing to do but learn what's going on and put some of that college stuff behind him and get into using all that stuff to start learning how NFL offense and progressions work. A situation really similar to what Aaron Rodgers went through when he went he got here. Packers fans hated that, if, if you remember. Yeah, I do remember. Uh, that, I remember hating it at age nine or whatever mm-hmm. I was. Um, and the thing about it is that you also had lots of time to hate it because Rodgers sat for three seasons. Yeah. Which meant that you have plenty of time to sit there and not see any returns out of a first round pick. Yeah. Uh, we might be in a similar situation with Jordan Love, but shoot, if your guy is out there and you want to get him and you're Brian Gutkunst, um he's he is gonna he's gonna live or die. You know, he's gonna keep his job or not based yeah. on based on Rashawn Gary and Jordan Love. Yeah. The, the those are two huge swings. Yeah. Um, so mean, whether or not those are good picks or not, I we have no idea. Uh, but tell you tell you what, they both could end up being really good. But if they don't work out, like that's going to define his tenure. Absolutely, uh, Un- unless something major happens in the next year or two in free agency that makes us forget about these speculations entirely. But as of right now, it's the Packers are still a build through the draft team, regardless of, you know, the occasional splash free agent signing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if they, if they hit it, he looks like a genius. If they hit it, he looks like Theo Epstein. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if Jordan love turns out here, man, does he look smart in the Packers follow up with, three great quarterbacks. And I, I think Jordan Love definitely has the talent for that. Um, you know, I, there's very few quarterbacks who come out of the draft with an arm talent like like Jordan Love. I mean, even Tua, Joe Burrow, there's nobody else in this draft with arm talent like Jordan Love. And I think, uh, you know, I think there's some some strong contrast to the Rodgers pick where, you know, Rodgers was kind of the number one prospect. He was the best quarterback in that draft. And he slips to 24, you got to take him. And Brett Favre was whispering about retirement. There's worries there. Rodgers is, is, is said he'll play till 40. I don't know, you know, if he'll be great till 40. We'll see. But it's it's a, it's a huge swing, and I you know I don't think there's a better situation for Jordan Love in this in this draft in the in the, in the NFL period. Uh, there's no one else that plays quarterback similar to Jordan Love that I think will be. Uh, open to being a mentor kind of. I mean, Rodgers has spoken so much about how hard those years were under Brett Favre where Favre just despised him. Um, and I, you know, every uh, coach and, and Gutkunst and everybody that's spoken about talking to Rodgers since the pick has said he's been the consummate pro. He's been unbelievable professional. He'll be a great mentor. I fully believe that. Um, but man, it... Uh, it sucks, you know, to go to go thirteen and three and and be one win away from the Super Bowl and to uh, use your first round draft pick on on what will be on someone who will hopefully see the, the field in three to four years. In a best case scenario, sees the field in four years. It's tough. Yeah, it's it's a risk and it's it's a unique situation because. Any any other sport, at any other position, yeah, uh, that kind of first round pick, you're not talking about a four year development. Maybe the NBA with some of these guys that they draft at like eighteen, nineteen, but they're still on the court yeah. for like ten ten minutes a night. I mean, the only comparison I can think of would be like the MLB. You know, your first overall pick, you're not expecting to see the majors in a year. You know. Um, they typically take a few years to develop, but man. But your sample size is so much greater in that there are, you know, 60, 60 players in, in 40 rounds yeah. for the MLB draft. You're filling out like six minor league teams. Yeah. It's uh, uh look, it, this, this will define Gutkunst's tenure. You know, if, if in two years, Jordan Love isn't ready and Rogers is, is ready to retire. 
I don't know how Kukunz keeps his job. Um, but it's 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 the rest of this draft that I think defines it for me. It's it's where I kind of pull away from what the Packers are doing. I think you can justify the Jordan Love pick. I don't really love the rest of this draft. All right. Uh, the rest of this draft, going to the second round. So you think to yourself, okay, they, they reached on a quarterback in the first round. Certainly the second round. They'll address one of these great positions of need with pick number 62. Running back A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. He's six feet tall. He's 250 pounds. He's had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons with Boston College. Uh, so the guy's a monster. Yeah. First of all, he's so big. Yeah. It, immediate Derrick Henry comparisons physically, um, which LaFleur helped revitalize the career of down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, uh, I get it. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, their contracts are up after this season. Um, you don't re-sign a running back in this in this NFL. Uh, Aaron Jones is going to want a lot of money. Jamal Williams might not want a lot of money, but uh, running backs after about four or five years fade out pretty quickly. I get the A.J. Dillon pick as a, you know, secure the spot for the future with somebody we really like. I just, I can't really ever approve of a a running back in the second round. I mean, we clowned on the Bears taking David Montgomery, who I liked more coming out of college than A.J. Dillon. And David Montgomery was a third round pick. You know, I just, I, I can't. Running backs are replaceable in today's NFL even in a Matt LaFleur run the ball so much type offense. I mean, look at what the Niners did with undrafted free agents and guys they pulled off the street like Mostert. It's, you know, it's, it's a position that you don't need to invest a ton of draft capital in. And they use their second best pick to do that. Oh man. It, it goes against conventional wisdom to pick AJ Dillon. I, I like I like him out of the first three rounds. Jordan Love, I look at a quarterback and go like, yeah, he's whipping the ball around. That's cool. And yeah, you know, he's making some quick reads, good decisions. Like, but plenty of quarterbacks do that. There are there are plenty of people who you see in college ball, and I, you know, I just don't know the quarterback position quite well enough to tell you like what made Jordan Love so special to the Packers, other than you know that those arm angles are pretty ridiculous and and you know the his ability to kind of lead a receiver into space is is very very good, but those are kind of you're talking some bare minimum skills uh, he, <laughs> when you get to the NFL level. One thing he does do really really well, and his coach at Utah State talked about this and how they were kind of put in a bad position with so much turnover. Is uh, Jordan Love reads the field really well? He goes through his progressions really really well. He goes he reads the whole field uh, in almost every game. You're going to have plenty of tape of him going through read one, two, three, and then to four and checking down. Going from left to center, keeping the safety off of a a deep post, taking him away, looking to your second and third reads, checking it down. There's some really good stuff with the progressions that very few college quarterbacks can do. There's, There's some good mental stuff for Jordan Love. But yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, there were positions of need that we the Packers could have gotten uh, immediate day one starters out that they did not take. AJ Dillon, I think, might be a day one starter. You know, he might replace Jamal Williams in the backfield. I, I assume. I assume that Jamal Williams is the is the odd man out at running back now. It's yeah. got because if you look at if you look at AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones as a tandem, yeah, I I really like that. That's li- that's, <laughs> that's lightning and thunder. That, to, to me, this is to, to me this is where I think the Packers are going to surprise people. AJ yeah. Dillon, you just you watch him on the screen. He's the biggest damn running back you've seen in the highlight package. He he did really well at the combine. He, the the knock on him is that he doesn't you know once he breaks down like he's not shifty you know moving moving laterally and then going back. But he's more of a stop start guy. Yeah, and he has got the ability. And it's very rare amongst guys his size. You're talking like 
I've seen Derrick Henry be very effective with it, but Henry can do a lot of yeah. lot more stuff at his size than anyone ever should be able to. But A.J. Dillon, uh, when he gets into traffic, he tends to break down but remain very fundamentally solid, mm-hmm. and that leaves his reacceleration like you know, his movement side to side isn't very quick. He doesn't have a bunch of shifty moves, but once he restarts, he is able to just have momentum very, very quickly. Yeah. He's, he, you know, he accelerates very well. He goes from a stop back to like a full stride really naturally. I, that's, I'm, I'm very, very rare to make actual predictions, but uh, A.J. Dillon's going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to do just fine in the NFL, and he's going to do just fine with the way the Packers want to run. And I think it's going to make a lot of sense to have him out there along with Aaron Jones you know, um, in the backfield at the same time, and you can start doing some of the things that Lafleur likes when you've got a like a straight up, you know, a straight ahead option and a counter option, yeah, and like a you know a, a dive pitch, uh, you know the the cla- the run pass option the way it works nowadays where like Rogers can either like dive pull it pitch it or throw yeah off the line of scrimmage yeah and oh defenses are gonna hate this man yeah uh, I you know I I I think AJ Dillon. I think he'll be good. I don't know if he'll be, you know, all pro, anything like that. He reminds me a lot of Eddie Lacey, uh, Eddie Lacey too. Um, he looks, he, he seems like he can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Wasn't asked to do it a bunch at Boston college. Um, I think he'll work in this backfield. Uh, and I think that, you know, it signals a move on from Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams as well. So that's your second round pick. You've got Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon, quarterback running back in the first and second round. At this point, uh, any prognosticator and any Packers fan has just sort of like thrown their thrown their mock draft into the air and walked away and gone like, oh, I don't even know anymore. Yep. Uh, so round number three with the 94th pick, how about uh, Josiah DeGara, a tight end slash H-back out of Cincinnati, 6'2", 242. Not at all what we were expecting for the third round pick at this point. No wide receivers, no linebackers, no offensive linemen taken by the Packers. And we're thinking, of course, those are the things that they need. So, yeah, how about an H-back? Yeah. How about about, it? How about we go get a fullback, H-back, tight end combo? Yeah, uh, this is another one. A massive head scratcher. I think the biggest head scratcher of the three to me. Yeah. I get what Lafleur wants to use him for. I, you know, I think it points to where this offense is heading in the future—a much more run-heavy offense, um, play action, very similar to what the Niners do out there. But man, I again cannot justify a third-round selection on an H-back, fullback, tight end combo. You know, I, I, if you know, if your guy's there, you go get him. I doubt that he's off the board in the fourth or fifth round. You know, and I I just, again, think, man, third round, you can get a starter here. You can, and and he might start, but I think you can get a starter at a a real necessary position, you know, like a linebacker or a tight end. Not a tight end, excuse me, a tackle. And instead we go to a Kyle Juszczyk type of, of look, which, you know, he's effective in that Niners team, but he's not, he's not what brings that whole offense together. Your comparison to the Niners is really apt. I think this draft had a, had yep. a real signal to it that the, the Packers want to run exactly, pretty much exactly what the Niners run right now. Mm-hmm. Inside, outside runs, play action passes, quick reads, Watching Degara on tape, what I notice about him is that he has got very, very good route timing. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati runs a lot of quick slants with him. They'll use him as an H back. He he likes to square up. He's got a good he's got a good little shoulder shimmy and then a good turn to the inside. Uh, a lot of his matchups in ACC football were against scrubs. Yeah. And 
that's going to be tough to translate, but he's got very good timing on his roots. He takes a very decisive step inside. He's got a good natural catch of the catch of the ball. He's a, a sure-handed catcher. Totally. There's there's a there's a lot of football skills there, but I'm with you on that one. Is like you. I think you have enough positions of need in the third round to to where like you've already taken like two sort of like big shot in the dark gambles in the first and second round. There's got to be something, got to be something on the board there a little bit more practical. But yeah, when it, when it comes down to like what you see on film, like yeah, the the dude can do what he is supposed to do. I th- and I think he's quick enough to do it on the NFL level. Totally. I just don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh, similar to Dylan. Is I you know I I think I think Dylan will help this offense out. You know I I think Deguara will help this offense out. When Dylan was available, so was Josh Jones, one of the top-ranked tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, go get that guy. We don't have a right tackle. We have Rick Wagner. And what? You bump Turner outside? <sighs> go Cole, get is Cole Madison a tackle? What? Yeah. What the? What's the plan there? At you know, look, these feel like moves. If if Jordan Love doesn't happen. Rounds two and three, and basically the rest of this draft going offensive line in the sixth, feel like moves to elongate Aaron Rodgers' career by making taking the ball out of his hands, making him not have to make so many plays, f- turning it into a Niners offense where he can be a Jimmy Garoppolo game manager who makes a couple big throws a game and wins games. But the Jordan Love pick signals that eh, we're, maybe we're ready to move on from Aaron in a, a year or two. And watching Jordan Love's profile is is Jordan Love is the kind of guy who can go out and probably win you a few games just with that arm. And it just, this draft feels both at the same time scatterbrained and totally in a line. And I don't know how a draft can feel both of those things, but it does. So let's step away. Let's take a little bit of a, a break at the moment, and we'll cover the back half of the draft when we come back from the break. Maybe talk a little bit about some of the other stuff going on with the draft. There's uh, nothing going on in football other than this draft. When We'll also have, got, have some undrafted free agency signings for the Packers. I couldn't tell you if anything stands out in there or not. Uh, before we go to the break, however, we want to raise our glass. I have the remnants of a spicy Bloody Mary. I have to raise our glass to the dear departed XFL. Yeah. Oh man. Sorry, XFL. Uh, it 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 did take a uh, a global <laughs> pandemic for the XFL to come crashing down. The only way you can stop Vince McMahon is through a force of nature. Well, it's not stopping but, the uh, WWE. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So yeah, raise raise your glass up to the uh, to the AAF and the XFL too. Team, uh, two leagues that have dared to challenge the NFL and have fallen due to complete ineptitude, lack of funding, and a global pandemic. Farewell to, to you. the AF, AF and the XFL. <sighs> and Vince McMahon, may all your endeavors be doomed to fail as spectacularly. That's great. As that. Although he is on the committee to reopen America. Oh, good. That's who we should have yes. on the committee. I'm yes, sure he doesn't have any vested monetary interest in reopening America. Yes. And that, that vested interest would not really be harmed by millions of, of lives being lost. What, did we need someone to, like, tear their shirt off? and and? <laughs> do, we need a, <laughs> do we need a messenger for opening America back up? I'm Vic, Vince yeah. McMahon, and I have a whole roster of people on my payroll who are good actors and will sell your message. Fuck off. Oh man. The, uh, the global pandemic storylines that are going to come out of, come into the WWE in five years, the movies that we're going to be watching about this shit. Yeah. In, oh. they are going to suck. Yeah. It's the documentaries. Oh, uh, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. I do not want any part of the documentaries, the exposés that we're going to get in four or five years um, that we probably will not get if Trump is reelected. They will probably be. 
<laughs> stricken from the record and uh, their creators murdered. The only take I want to hear from this is from Adam Curtis. Okay. Uh, filmmaker. He did a, he did a uh, film called Hypernormalization. He's a British filmmaker, does stuff for the BBC. Okay. Um, with, with all like, you know, social commentary filmmaking, I, I recommend him with the caveat of like, this man may not be correct. And I'm not like recommending him based on an assumption that he is a hundred percent correct in his analysis of modern events. But he has a very specific like way of looking at the world that, that is very structuralist and it, it very, it really is about like, you know, why, why are we, why do we see what we see? And like, why do we, you know, why is the media the way it is and how does that tie into like, you know, greater things and like, you know, what, what is happening right now that is different from any other time in the past? Kind of, kind of a way to like appreciate the modern moment a little bit more okay. by comparing it to moments in the past. Yeah. Adam Curtis is very good, but, I give him the Cheeseheads in Chicagoland recommendation with the caveat that, again, I do not know if this man is correct, but he is very interesting and he's worth considering. Um, but he has we'll ideas. We'll take a quick break. Yes, he, he certainly does. And uh, he seems uh, seems to be making a very earnest attempt to, uh, to explain our, our current moment, which is idiosyncratic enough that I would appreciate it if someone would fucking explain it to me. Uh, we're going to be back and we'll talk about the latter half of this draft of which I know next to nothing, so I hope you know something, man. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We'll be back in a second. My baby went to the Bahamas. I went to Egypt through the llamas. She had fun sitting by the ocean. Sun and tan tan lotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the llamas. No! So it's Cheeseheads in Chicago, and it's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, as we get into a section two here of the podcast, I want to take a, a moment. And I want to send my best wishes and all of the Cheeseheads in Chicagoland audience members should also send best wishes to a man named Jason Kuntz who had uh, some surgery and has had some issues with that surgery. Uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, someone I've been really privileged to work with over the last couple of years uh, and truly one of the uh, the greatest folks that I've, I've had a chance to meet working in sports broadcasting. So uh, Jason Kuntz, I want to put this on record that... Uh, I love you, man, and I hope you get better soon. So there, there's that. Uh, moving on with the draft now. I'm Mike. That's Matt. Hey. Uh, when we get into the second half of the draft, Packers, of course, gave up their fourth-round pick to take Jordan Love with the 26th pick, which was the Miami Dolphins pick. So after Degara, your next pick is in round five, and – Finally, you get to a position the Packers needed to draft, and they get Kamal Martin, who is a linebacker out of Minnesota. Uh, had a long, long career. You know, drafted after his senior season at uh, at, at Minnesota, and uh, yeah, I don't know anything about this guy at all. Uh, I don't know a ton. Um, he played a lot off ball. Played some edge. Um, decent in coverage. Um, I I think a good. I think a good selection in the fifth round. I think a good find. I, I would expect him to fight for time and snaps with Oren Burks. I don't think Oren Burks has secured any spot on this roster yet, um, but definitely won't be fighting Kirksey for starting s- snaps. So that's that's your fifth round pick. And then in the sixth round, the Packers have three picks, and they go... Um, interior lineman with all three of these picks. They take John Runyon out of Michigan. Uh, old school NFL fans will recognize John John Runyon. So uh, we've got a, we've got another John Runyon in the league now out of Michigan. Jesus, he looks like his dad too. It's ridiculous. <laughs> when I first heard uh, the name, I thought of Runza, the, the fast food restaurant based in Omaha, Nebraska. 
any Runza fans out there, I'm sure you'll <laughs> appreciate yeah. that one. Yeah. Shout, shout out to, to Runza, the fast food restaurant. <laughs> and their dino nuggets. <laughs> oh, my God. So, John, running out of, out of Michigan, uh, this is a guy who is expected to have a good NFL career. He's you know, not a not projected to be a star, but uh, he's got great, uh, you know, a great system where his his dad certainly knows how the hell to be an NFL offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, behind him, Jake Hansen out of Oregon, a center, and this is a guy that was pretty well regarded from from the look of it. The scouts seem the scouts seem to like him, and he's very strong. So, but also like you know, a guy out of Oregon, you have no idea. Yeah. what he's what he's going to end up being but he's you know pretty big 64303 and then finally you get Simon Stepaniak out of Indiana uh coming off and as an ACL tear I think so yeah coming coming off of a, a serious injury that kept him from playing in his senior season so that is a uh a a, re, a real question mark so no no idea there looks like he'll most likely be unable to even practice in the first season if there is a yeah, season there this is, year. If there is one. So three three offensive linemen in the sixth round. No one expected to be like an immediate contributor. No one expected to play at uh, at the outside of the line either. Yeah. So, you know, more questions, more frustrations. And then Vernon Scott, a defensive back out of Texas Christian in the seventh, along with Jonathan Garvin a outside linebacker edge rusher out of Miami in the seventh round. Uh, I can't, I can't really speak to any of this, Matt, but you know, when, when you, when you talk about the frustration of the draft, you know, the, uh, the first three picks, I can look at them and at least see like a, you know, a bunch of guys that have a bunch of film on them are well known in the college world and have the potential to be exciting NFL players. Yeah. You know, these, uh, these later round picks like, you know, interior linemen from, Michigan, Oregon, and Indiana, and then you know a couple of defensive guys out of Texas Christian, Miami, Florida. I got no read on these guys at all. No, I, I got I got nothing on these guys. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, Gukan said something uh, about you know once they got past the second into the third round, they didn't think there was really any talent uh, at wide receiver that would surpass what they already had, um, which I think is is. Totally true. I think if you bring in a third or fourth round guy um, at wide receiver, you know he's 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 coming in at the same spot Lazard, and uh, he's coming in with about the same talent as a Lazard or an EQ St. Brown or an MVS. He just won't have the familiarity with the scheme and the familiarity with Aaron Rodgers. So I think you know what this draft symbolizes is a huge bet on how good EQ St. Brown is coming off that injury and being out all of last year. You know, I think they're betting on him being a big contributor to this offense and uh, a big uh, check on Alan Lazard's name saying, hey, this guy's a gamer. This guy's going to play a lot. You've I also hope- got Devin Funches in that wide receiver room. <laughs> yeah. And boy, I, there there seems to be a, a, a willingness to rely on the wide receivers that they have. And to me, it's it's a matter of one, what you mentioned with EQ St. Brown, is he going to be able to come back and be very good right away? And two is Devin Funch is going to play out and be good enough. But I think another thing that it speaks to is the changing scheme of the Packers that instead Absolutely. of, instead of a fourth or fifth wide receiver on the field, you're going to see an H back on the field. You're mm-hmm. going to see Degara in that use check role. You're going to see two running backs the way that the Packers like to do. Maybe, maybe a bit of the uh, the pistol backfield with two backs as well. Yeah, with AJ Dillon along with Aaron Jones out there, and I think the Packers are changing philosophy enough with what they're doing that I don't know if you have six wide receivers on this roster this year. I think you can, I think this roster goes with five. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept five, you know, if it was, uh, Devante, Lazard, Funchess, EQ, MVS as your five. I don't think that's a terrible group altogether. Um, I M- mean, MVS and Jake Kumaro might end up in the most spirited 
yeah. preseason battle for the final cut. Absolutely. And you know, I I I don't I don't hate planning on relying on Devin Funches. You know, he's he's 25 years old. He's a young guy. Um you know, in his last full season, he's been plagued by injuries the last few years. Um, I think he played one game in Indianapolis after signing with the Colts and was out for the season. But in his last full year in 2017, he had 840 yards. He had eight touchdowns. You know, he, he had 63 catches. He was not, he was a good second or third option. And so I, you know, I guess I understand it. If you think Devin Funches is going to be able to return to that level in one year at Green in Green Bay, I just would have really loved some draft capital spent on somebody Good. Everybody I wanted was gone by the time the Packers selected. But they proved that they were willing to trade up to get somebody. I would have liked to see them trade up to try and grab a Justin Jefferson in the second round. Trade up to try and grab a Denzel Denzel Mims. There were some really good guys there that they skipped out on, and that's you know we'll see how that we'll see how that ends up. But I, I I think you're totally right. It's a huge shift in the offensive philosophy for this team from the Mike McCarthy years. And even last year with LaFleur, there, there seemed to be a lot of McCarthy hangover plans and McCarthy hangover game plans and stuff. Wouldn't be surprised to see all of that out of the table now with the second offseason in if they're able to have an offseason. Yeah, they did stay with a four wide receiver spread a lot more last year than I yeah. thought they would. Considering what we know, Matt Lafleur likes to or likes to run. So it wasn't really until the end of the season where you saw Tyler Irvin be able to come in and and play as sort of a second running back in the backfield. They certainly didn't use Danny Vitale the way that I thought Lafleur was going to use a fullback. So we'll, we'll see that in bit tomorrow. Of a, bit of a remaking, yeah, yeah. Uh, taking a look at the rest of the draft, really, you know, I, I, I'm not qualified to talk about the draft at all past the uh, the first round. The, ben- the Bengals took Joe Burrow with the first pick. Nobody is surprised by that. Uh, Cincinnati has to hope that they've got a, a guy who can yeah. start right away because they're in a dire situation. Chase Young goes to Washington. Jeff Okuda goes to the Detroit Lions. Uh, take a cornerback with the third pick with that much uh you know, wide receiver talent on on the board if you're the Lions. Yeah. Oh. All right. After after like a whole bunch of your defense has just left and like badmouthed everyone on the way out the door. Yeah. That's fun. All right. You know, Aaron Rodgers, he was on the uh Pat McAfee show with AJ Hawk and said when Okuda was selected, he just said, All right, we're throwing at him every time until he figures it out. Yep. He's going to match up on Devontae. All right. You got a rookie on Devontae Adams. We're throwing at you right. every single time. Um, yeah. I, I'm thinking about Rogers on, on podcasts and shows. He was on a bunch of shows leading up to the draft, but uh, has not been on anything since, which I think is fair. <laughs> Giants get Andrew Thomas. Miami Dolphins get Tua with the fifth pick. The Chargers get Justin Herbert with the sixth pick, and if you if you start going down the uh, the lines, a lot of a guy that a lot of people thought was going to fall to uh, possibly the Packers was was Mackie Becton, yeah, who went to the Jets with the eleventh pick. Uh, Henry Ruggs goes to Las Vegas. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is another guy who thought uh, they thought might be available for the Packers at thirty. Goes thirteen to the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you got to keep Tom Brady from dying yeah. down there, apparently. A <laughs> uh, couple of guys I have not heard about, but then uh, C.D. Lamb goes to the Dallas Cowboys. It's a great pick. Yep. Jalen Rager goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Justin Jefferson goes to uh, the Minnesota Vikings. That's a big pickup for the Vikings. It's a huge pickup for the Vikings. That's an immediate Stephon Diggs replacement. Justin Jefferson is going to be plug and play. He's going to be so good. I I really wanted him for the Packers. Yep. And I I tell you what, the other guy that I think if the San Francisco 49ers had made a different choice at 25 and not taking Brandon Ayuk, I think the Packers would have taken him at 26. Yeah, I think so too. Where they get uh, where they get Jordan Love, and then Patrick Queen goes to the Ravens at twenty eight, and that is pretty much all, all the remarkable people from from my perspective in the draft. Yeah. But as as you were saying, like 
who knows if the season's getting played because in order to play a season, you've got to get these guys you know, at the very latest by July. Yeah. You've got to get them in pads. Yeah, which I don't know is if that's going to happen. Um, you know, and I think I'm a lot more willing to stretch with this draft if the idea is, you know, we're drafting for the 2020 season not happening. If that doesn't happen, when Rodgers hits the field next, he'll be 37, turning 38. You got to have a replacement for him if he's turning 38. Jones and Williams will be off their contracts. You need a running back to replace them. It's a key of this offense. It, it makes a little bit more sense to me if the 2020 season doesn't happen and if Gutkunst has some idea about what's going on there behind the scenes. But with an expectation that the season happens, um, I think that's just it's just going to be really tough. You know, it, it, been seeing a lot of talk about virtual offseason and how LaFleur plans to use it to get guys to think about why they're running the things they run, which I think is important. Um, but I think just as important if, with that, even, maybe even more important is getting your timing down and getting in good physical shape and, you know, being on the same page as your teammates, which I don't think you can do over a Zoom call, you know? No. It's... I, we haven't seen something like this in the NFL before. I mean, the last time we had a pandemic like this, the NFL was not really around yet. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm so glad that I finished up my trip through college before this happened. So I don't have to, I don't have to do a remote learning thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I cannot really, I can do a one-on-one Zoom call and be okay and feel like I actually have a connection, but when you get those like those screens with like nine different people in a meeting room together like that, I I cannot I, I can't I cannot deal with it. No, no, I'm not I'm not put together like that to to handle that. I have no idea how you how you effectively assemble a football team virtually. It's you get it's 53 impossible. people on a Zoom call. Are you doing position groups? You know what do you what's the yeah. plan there? Um, no, it's completely yeah. bonkers. It's a big, it's, we're going to see some, some big changes about how things go forward. I mean, you know, coming out of this draft, I saw a lot of, of talk about coaches and, and scouts and GMs and stuff saying, you know what, maybe we do this, do the draft this way next year too. And for the foreseeable future, they were like, you know, this, this allowed us to be at home with our families and doing that's a lot more fun than flying somewhere, getting in a suit, showing up every day, shaking a bunch of hands. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, going forward, at least in, in the NFL and sports and society in general, we see more virtual type of stuff take take hold. But I'm with you, man. I couldn't couldn't dream of being in a Zoom call with 50 people for a lecture from a coach and, uh. and getting something out of it. Um, terrifying. Let's take a look at the Packers' undrafted free agent signings. Uh, this is a collection of names right here. There's some really good ones in, in this year's undrafted free agent signings. But uh, we've got Delonte Scott, an edge rusher, Jalen Morton, a quarterback, Henry Black, a safety from Baylor, Travis Bruffy. Good name. Yeah, there's, there's your first real good one. Jordan Jones, an H-back out of Prairie View. Willington Prevalon, a defensive Great. lineman from Rutgers. That one's that one's really good. Uh, Daryl Stewart. That sounds like a NASCAR racer, a wide receiver. Chris Barnes, linebacker from UCLA. Tipa Galei, an edge rusher from Utah State. So a guy that uh, Jordan Love knows. Yeah. Will Sunderland Jr. out of Troy, a defensive back. Patrick Taylor, a running back from Met- Memphis. Stanford Samuels, a good. cornerback out of Florida State. There's a good one. Good. And Zach Johnson, a offensive lineman from North Dakota State. One more for the all-name team. Mark Antoine Decoy out of the University of Montreal. Yeah. He will also sign as undra- undrafted free agent. I'm interested in, in this Decoy guy. He's he, he put up some big numbers uh, at his pro day 
when when he was sick at a he didn't lift anything with a fractured arm. He ran a four point three six forty. He's almost six foot three. With a broken arm? With a fractured arm. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Six two and three quarters, hundred and ninety-eight pounds, four point three six forty, thirty-seven inch vertical jump. It, it it's pretty impressive stuff uh from him. I'm interested to see how that Canadian football translates to American football. Um but uh, yeah, it's the only guy I've heard of out, out in this group is Stanford Samuels, um, Florida State guy. Good ball instincts, um, big guy, uh, not the fastest. Um, you know, l- looking at him reminded me a little bit of Ladarius Gunter, but Ladarius Gunter was good in stretches. He, you know, he was he was a replacement level guy in stretches, and and that's what you're looking for out of undrafted free agents. So that's your list as of right now. It's going to be a while before anything else really happens in the, in the football world because we've got to figure out whether or not we're all allowed to go out in public. and, and uh, You cannot social distance while playing football. It's not possible. Not, not possible. So as, as of right now, the top headline on Packers.com is Packers extend their closure of Lambeau Field and Titletown until at least May 26th. Yeah. So that's that's kind of been the, the news right now is that everything is is just getting uh getting extended out for uh for the moment. But there are some interesting things happening right now with the cornerback group that addition are not the secondary in general, that addition of Decoy, you know, fighting for that spot because you've got Raven Green, who yeah. didn't really get a chance to play last year, is going to get one more chance yeah. to, to get healthy. I guarantee you he will see snaps if he's healthy. Yeah, he will. He should. He's When Raven Green is healthy, he's an, an impact player. Mm-hmm. And you know, beyond that, of course, you've also got, uh, you've got Josh Jackson and you've got Kadar Holman. Yeah. Al- along with uh, along with your guys of course in in uh, as the normal starters with with Kevin King and also oh my god his name Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you should not lock me in this house for a month. No, you're going to lose like, all I- semblance of reality. <laughs> I have the roster up. I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who are these guys? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see how this 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 cornerback room, this DB room, turns out. Um, you know, there's some space at safety here. You know, they're they're not planning on bringing back Tremont Williams. Everything they've kind of said about the cornerback room has has is kind of excluded Tremont Williams. Um, so there's a little bit of room at, at cornerback and a little bit of room at safety uh, behind Raven Green. So I'm. I'm interested to see who who makes this roster out of this group. Uh, it feels like there's always somebody who comes in off the street, uh, undrafted free agent, makes a couple plays throughout the year. Also, just want to point out to the Packers right now. I know Brian Goodkunst is listening. Yeah, totally. With rapt attention to what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Damon Harrison still available. I would like that. That would be good. If you want to, you if you want to shore up that that defensive line, you can bring this guy in. So just just want to let you know. I think uh, floating it out I think there. My, my my other idea of Taylor Gabriel has been thrown out of the window because um, Brian Goodkunst does not like guys who are the size of Taylor Gabriel. He likes no, guys who are twice like the size guys. of Taylor Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, one last thing uh, before I am out of material here on my little notepad is that I once again want to shout out how fucking stupid it is that uh, the draft coverage particularly of ESPN seems to really fetishize airing family drama. Yeah. When they're talking about these prospects, we had a couple of guys who like had some really, uh, you know, had some tragic stuff in their past and some some stuff about their family life that I don't think needed to get exposed to a a huge television and streaming audience. No, there was on on draft day. I I I fucking hate this shit. It really it really bothers me. Yeah, there is when when if as if a player wants to go on record as you know as someone who has like been out of college and is a professional and wants to talk about some background sort of stuff, but to just have it 
put up in like a a little cryon or a blurb about the, a bullet point. You know, some, yeah, a little a twenty a twenty one year old kid who doesn't really have the the chance and exposure to like really share about his family if he's choosing to or not. Like just to have have stuff about players' families and their their backgrounds used in that way to just create a storyline for television. I yeah. still hate it. It still sucks. Yeah. And and even beyond the bullet points, it felt like almost every player, you know, that was asked questions and stuff was asked, you know, how would your brother feel about this now? How would your grandmother feel about this now? And, you know, it's like, just ask the kid how he feels about being drafted. He, he made this happen. That's a big deal. He shouldn't have to, you know, tell a story for your audience. It felt very... It, felt almost Hunger Gamesy in uh, how exploitative it was. It just was gross. I I fully agree with you. And there there are absolutely ways of like and I'm saying this as someone who who maybe gets paid to ask people questions totally. <laughs> for for a living. Like there there are ways to talk to players and find you know find things that they they would really like to get across to an audience. If they're if they're in the mood to talk to you, I've I've done some some good features with players, and we've definitely talked about about things in the course of even like a four minute like back and forth interview that that I thought were really great to get on record. But uh, there 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 are just there's so many ways to like really positively highlight these kids coming out of college, and then there's you know then there's the tabloid way of doing it, and yeah I. I don't mind like taking a tabloid approach to professional athletes because like I just there's some there's something about it like it it's a fair game thing. I'm never going to like watch it or be into it, but I'm at least not opposed to like you know, printing stuff that's true about people who are like interested public figures, but when really? they're like kids coming out of the draft. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it it seems it seems a little bit different. Yeah, like I have no issue, uh, Bears history aside, with talking about the Cutler divorce that's happening right now. You can talk about that. That's fair game. Oh, are they getting divorced? It it was announced today. You you have a reality show. You're a former all-pro quarterback. You know, that's fair game for the public. A 22-year-old fourth-round draft pick should not have a cry-on pop-up about you know, the reason for his mother's death or some something like that. There's no reason for that. You can leave that off the table. Tell me about his tell me about his 40 time. Tell him how many tell me about tell me how many picks he had last year. I don't it, you know, it 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 shouldn't be broadcast to the world like that. Yeah, and my my big thing and like my whole secret weapon is that like if you ask someone a question, please, for the love of God, like believe them and give them time to answer like if you want to put up a little bullet point about a kid send him an email that asks him like what do you think is important that we know about you if you get drafted yeah like there's 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 a way that you can actually like get someone's like voice and get someone's actual actual thoughts on the matter if you want them (laughs) yeah yeah but i doubt espn truly wanted them so that's that's what I've got. The draft is a head scratcher. Yeah, uh, fully. I don't know if we're I don't know if we're going to be able to form an opinion this year or not based on whether or not they play the season. Yeah. On what's going on, uh, I am ready to to love AJ Dillon. I'm, you know, I'm a man who got to watch Jerome Bettis in his prime. Yeah. As a big ass running back i i liked eddie lacy as the big ass running back i i really do like that the packers have brought the big ass running back into their plans in a major way for the next four seasons i want that to work out a lot but beyond that this is a, a big shrug of the shoulders um i'm sure we'll be back we're we're gonna probably let another uh, another another couple of weeks go by yeah but we'll uh we'll touch base once again and yeah, beyond that, Matt, do you got anything uh, anything else for the folks? I'm out of notes. Uh, nope, I got nothing else for the folks. I got I got nothing on my side over here. All right, I guess uh, cheesehead cheesehead of the week is uh, 
Cheese hat of the week is Aaron Rodgers because uh, because everyone is talking about how Aaron Rodgers is going to handle Jordan Love. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers' ability to shut the fuck up yeah. and not talk about it is uh, is very commendable. Yeah. Stuff of legend. Yes. His ability to not ha- not ha- have any thoughts to uh, to take anyone in any directions. I appreciate that a lot. So. Aaron Rodgers is our cheese head of the week. Until we talk to you next time from our quarantine locations, what should people do? Stay cheesy, baby. All right, goodbye. Bye. Stop. Stop.